Hello and welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm your host today, Austin Williams. You just heard the self-titled song Retro Reflector off of the group Retro Reflector's only album. The band leader, Andrew Trim, and I had a wonderful chance to chat about this album and a few of his other projects that he's been a part of. I'm going to read a little bit about Andrew Trim just to give you an idea of um, what he's done and then give you a little bit more about the band itself. Andrew Trim is a guitarist and composer. He can be found regularly working with some of the most talented and unique musicians in the Midwest region and creating everything from mind-altering improvised fights to tightly contained composed melodies. His instrumental projects, a quartet called Hanami and a trio called Dim Lighting, and that retro reflector are the primary vehicles for his expressions. Uh, the little blurb that they have about this album also think, um, or I think it very accurately describes what's going on. Um, retro reflector, Midwestern guitarist Andrew Trim's soaring melodies and psychedelic jazz flurries guide a sonically charged quartet grounded firmly in the Chicago sound. Together, their whirling group improvisations explore haunting, timeless musical landscapes with peak immediacy. Uh, like I said, Andrew and I had a lovely time chatting about his music and what it means. So without any further ado, let's get to the interview. Again, this is Andrew Trim and myself talking about his music. Sure. So why don't we just start with that? Um, yeah. You know, you have a, you have a number of projects and... Uh, Retro Reflector has um, been to Chicago earlier this summer, but um, you were just saying that Dim Lighting is an extension, or I'm sorry, Retro Reflector is an ex- uh, extension of uh, your group Dim Lighting. So what's that all about? Right. So um, just kind of in, in sort of a musical way, just sort of continuing on developing some some ways of, of playing improvised bass music that's rooted in some jazz related things from you know informal structures mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but then sort of extending things out in various ways especially sonically speaking sure um and so i was sort of getting interested in that you know while i was living in chicago um kind of pushing the way that I was using the guitar mm-hmm. a little bit further into this more, what I would say is even more like guitaristic in some ways. Sure. I think a lot of, a lot of times jazz guitar can be a little bit limited in its sort of sonic scope. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I was pushing myself to kind of mess around with pedals and sort of like see where I could go with, with the music in that way. And so even in, in my other main band that I had in Chicago called Hanami, I was sort of doing some things like that too in that band. So what um, other, um, what before you got kind of into this more sonic exploration, what would you say like was your bread and butter, like music that you were working on during that time? Well, sort of what happened was is that I went to jazz school and so I was studying how to play in a very, a much more straight ahead format. Yeah. And I was really interested in that and wanted to play that way. And so, you know, I had a, you know, a fully hollow arch top guitar and, um, you know, kind of put the pedals away, but I, you know, I came up playing rock and roll music, you Mm -hmm. know, and playing guitar and playing guitar in a much more sonically like buried way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then it was just trying to merge like like assessing where I was at sort of like from school and studying the music yeah. and and being interested in all that, but then assessing what was really inside of myself and what I felt like I really wanted to say or how how I wanted the music to make me feel or whatever. And so then I think a lot of people, I think I, I mean myself included, um, studying jazz in an academic setting where you learn a lot of the standards and straight ahead stuff. And then you kind of remember you're like oh by the way there's this like whole other side of music that i'm into and i'm not exploring that <laughs> right yeah yeah it's just trying to find a way to make it all fit together in a way that makes you feel like you're expressing in the truest part of your yourself and the mm-hmm. way that you want to be you the way that you want to sound um and th- i mean that's something to really explore you know 
anyway but but it makes sense that that exploration would come post school like you know yeah. you go to school and you know you dive deep you know i you know i felt like my education you know you know cost eliminated from the picture was mm-hmm. was very you know very good very helpful very informative very very good to study the history of the music that deeply and sure. and and really sort of like work really hard on trying to be able to play stylistically appropriate um right right nothing wrong with doing that right it's only only where only where if you like get caught up in like having that sort of like keep you from being yourself later that it becomes a problem right it's that whole like i said earlier it's just like for me at least it was like remembering it's like oh i do like punk music and i do like metal yeah. and it's like you know all these other styles that you you it's not that you forget about them but they definitely get thrown on the back burner when you're like diving deep into like whatever you're studying in school because that's just what you're doing yeah, of course. I annoyed a lot of people when I was just <laughs> <laughs> with my like sort of like complete dismissiveness of all other music for a certain period of time. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, you sort of I mean, it it is in a certain way, it's a type of of music, the level of of skill that's required to be able to play it at a mm-hmm. high level. It requires you to go in that deep in mm-hmm. order to be able to really be proficient. So, yeah you know, you have to kind of dedicate yourself for a while. It's sort of just part of the thing, but, but exploring the, the other, you know, things post school, I found myself drawn to, you know, pushing myself more with, with the way that the guitar was sounding in the context of an ensemble. Sure. While at the same time, retaining a lot of compositional approaches or structures, formal structures, you know, Totally. Um, so yeah, so dim lighting, it looks like is one of your, um, maybe not your first project, but it was an early on project that you had. (laughs) Um, so, uh, were those folks that you met while you're in school or did you, how did that come about? Dim lighting was a, was something that I was working on primarily while I was living in Chicago with a bass player who lives there named Kurt Schweitz and then a drum and then a drummer who lives up here named Devin Dropka. Okay. Um, so we did that project. We made a live recording that was recorded at Constellation within like the first couple of months that they opened. Oh, wow. We, play, we recorded it <laughs> in, the, in the bar, actually. We played in the bar. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then later made a studio recording as well of sure. that band. Sure. Um, and then, um, around the same period of time, I was also doing a lot of stuff with another project of mine called Hanami, which is all Chicago based musicians as well. Sure. Um, and both of those projects are not necessarily gone forever, but they're not, they're not currently doing very much at the moment.
you mentioned earlier how dim lighting or retro reflector, sorry, I keep doing that, um, is the uh, kind of extension of dim lighting. So how yeah. did that kind of come about? So it's just sort of like taking the way that I was writing for that band and sort of this the way that I was conceiving the music sonically and then just kind of like following that path down a little further even. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started going even further down the path, there were a couple of things that happened that just sort of like led it to go even further. And one of them was that when we went in to record the ret, uh, retro reflector record mm-hmm. um at that time and leading up to that we had been playing once a month up here um we had like kind of a residency permanent gig um in milwaukee and uh barry was playing a lot of upright mm-hmm. and when we were performing this music and it sort of had a little bit more of a jazz feel to it at the time mm-hmm and then occasionally i would also encourage him to bring an electric bass and maybe maybe try some of the stuff that we were working on out with that because i thought it sounded better for certain songs yeah um and maybe just the way i was hearing certain songs too but then when we got to the studio there just so happened to be we were like there we we're setting up we were like checking on the instruments we had mics set to do um the acoustic bass but then also to be able to do some electric stuff Mm -hmm. and there was some really bizarre buzz (laughs) on the upright that just so happened to materialize and we noticed it as we were like checking all the sounds you know the first couple hours of the first day of the recording Mm -hmm. and it was bad enough that it was like if we're going to use the if we're going to use if we're going to put upright on the record then we need to get somebody to bring us a different upright sure um and so then i was just like man forget it no upright on this record (laughs) and then we just did the whole record with electric bass sure and it was cool but when we were done and i was listening back i was like man this needs more it's not it's not complete right now sonically because maybe it's the way the upright feels the beat the way the way it decays Mm -hmm. um or even just like what a bass player chooses note wise or how how busy or not busy they might play but when i got done and i was listening back to it i was like it just needs a more sonic material to fill it out to make it make this make sense sure um, and so then I got together with my friend, Dan Pearson, who now lives in New York, um, great engineer, piano player, composer. I don't know. Do you know, Dan? I, I do um, not, but, uh, okay. sure. I should know him probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, he's, he has an awesome, uh, trio called Rooms that okay. just put out a new, new record, um, just recently. Sure. So um old friends from the chicago land area anyway dan and i got together and we added a whole bunch of various um synths and orly and sure all these other keyboard type um sounds to fill out the record um and that just and this is on with, the uh, this yeah. is on the retro reflector record yeah, on the yeah. retro reflector record yeah got it. so then it. so it just kind of like it's like taking something and then pushing it even further down. Yeah, yeah. Like half of like, oh, well, now it almost sounds more like an indie rock sort of sonic palette. Yeah. Than it does like a jazz palette. We've eliminated the upright bass. We've added all the other like. It's it's interesting. When I <clears throat> um, went to your concert earlier this summer at Constellation, I was having sure. this uh, moment where I was, I was thinking, I was like, this is clearly like has an influence of like prog rock or jazz or something of that nature but it's uh kind of what you're describing as like shoved uh to the nth degree <laughs> yeah uh Just taking a little further yeah. yeah yeah absolutely um i mean i think you know i think everybody everybody's listening to a lot of music so they're all bringing their own sort of like backgrounds to it too right, right. and then you know now we have danny van durham playing keyboards because mm-hmm. dan pearson moved um 
and DVD brings a whole nother layer of just like really like sick rock sounds and yeah and his like setup was pretty sounds. uh was pretty wild when i <laughs> took took a look at it uh after the concert yeah yeah, yeah i think i think there's like there's this like merging of a lot of things but like he brings sort of like a pretty fierce amazing sort of almost like i don't know like maybe may, i you know like i i hear it as like um you know miles really late 60s and 70s sort of like sure electric band keyboard approach um to this sort of tuneful music that i wrote that kind of sounds more like some of it sounds like pretty song you know it's it's not like really angular too hard to to follow yeah so it's just like combining a bunch of different things together that way you know yeah i mean a a majority of um the album um and the uh album we're talking about is uh self-titled correct uh, yeah, it's just under my name, Andrew Trim, Andrew Retro Trim. Reflector. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of it's melodically driven. I've noticed, or there's a, there's a main motive yeah. that is like just basically returned to, and then a, a lot of uh, just like lovely improv, um, improv in between. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I was hearing the music. I mean, there's a, in that way, it's sort of formally related to the way that we play. You know, play standards where. Sure. You know, you're playing a theme and then sort of improvising within a structure. Got it. Although I will say this, this music, we extend the improvisations extend pretty far, far away from um, like a repeated chord structure, the way that like people might play over like, a, you know, right. Or something. Um, right. So like when you were guys were in the process of doing it, how much of it was, okay, here's this idea. This is about the form that I'm thinking. And then it's, was there like deviation or were you guys, did you guys have more of a, a roadmap kind of going into each tune? Um, well, so it's morphed in different ways. Like when we were originally perf- like part of the reason why the band has a certain sound and vibe to it, I think is because we played together every month for a while. So we were like <clears throat> working out this material mm-hmm. and working out how we would improvise um, within the material too. And I've always sort of approached leading bands in that way where I like to have um, a certain sort of written thing, mm-hmm. but that that gives like, that gives structure, mm-hmm. but to not be so specific about what, something has to be or not be so that that way everybody's personality can sort of musically be imprinted upon the final result. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, pretty open-ended. We would do a lot of, a lot of our shows up here when we were playing adventure every month would, would be pretty open where we would, I would just start songs and then, you know, maybe we just like morph into the next one or if, 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 yeah. if we were, you know, like vibing out on something and then it sounded like we should play something else next. I might just start playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, the rapport got to the point where that was sort of the way that it would go, where it could be really loose and and we would sort of just like find our way through a whole set of music without stopping sometimes. Wow. Um, yeah. And then Dan, adding Dan made it so that we would, we've refined sort of like uh, may or made our our approach to playing the music a little a little bit more specific like okay we're gonna do these in this order or mm-hmm. whatever but there's still a lot of a lot of um open sections in between tunes leading into other tunes and leaving space for all of these little moments that can happen where everybody can just sort of take the reins and take the music where that where they're hearing it going and sure and then everybody else can follow with that and and leaving leaving room for those things to be able to occur
So earlier you talk about, you know, your exploration to like the guitar and like how it is as an instrument. What would you say that this, how does the guitar play into this album? And maybe how do you, how do you think every instrument kind of works into this album other than like obviously as a cohesive group, but what do you think each one brings to the table? Well, the guitar is, is definitely out front in this music Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily always the case with some of the music that I've written before, especially bands like Hanami, which is, you know, the horns are leading with the melody. So the, the guitar's role is different in, in a band like that. But, um, in this band, it's really the guitar leading the way, um, taking care of the melodic, all the melodic material. Sure. And then everything else is sort of in somewhat of a supportive role. Yeah. Um, Yep. Um, but I write music pretty loose, you know. Right. I, it's like, but I I guess I don't. It's specific, but it's pretty. Um, open. There's a lot of peak. Yeah, open yeah. peaks and valleys. Yeah. A lot of a lot of fermatas. A lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, rubato intentionally. You know, where things are being played out of time on purpose. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to picture like some of these tracks with an upright bass, and I guess it could work, but it's it does the it was kind of a happy accident that uh, maybe it was all electric bass on the album. Yeah, it push it pushes it to a different place sonically. I think the yeah. electric bass adds, adds a lot of sort of thump, you yeah. know, um, and definitely makes the record sound more more like a rock record i guess sure um yeah i mean with it's, the, with, with, it's more of a mellow experience with an upright sure yeah i was gonna say and i mean i guess <laughs> don't take this the wrong way i i get strong like prog rock vibes from it a lot of times um but not like yeah. bang my head against a wall of prog rock but like you know solid stuff yeah i it's it's sort of like with 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 those kinds of things, whenever it's like, oh, this or that, I mean, it, it, when I think about those things, I think about how we all have just such different backgrounds and what we hear and then what, what it like reminds us of. For sure. I never really listened to a lot of prog rock, mm-hmm. but, but then maybe Barry and Nick did, you know? <laughs> and so maybe, maybe it's something they're doing and making it make reminding you of it or, sure. you know, cause I've known people in the past who, you know, like somebody who like maybe they're a really big Rush fan, but like I never listened to Rush. Sure, sure. But that doesn't mean that there's no there's no like, you know, relationship to that music. Right. Right. Um, Like it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like things are, you know, people experience things differently. And yeah. Yeah. Or, and then they can hear your music and, th- and reminds them like some people have said to me that m- my music in some instances has reminded them of something. And it's like, well, I've never even heard that before. But, uh, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I've definitely, yeah, you know? no, I've, I've had that experience before. And then I'm like, oh, I need to, <laughs> maybe I should go yeah, check that check out. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's great. I mean, it, there's, there's so many ways to experience something you know right right and music is really nice in that way because we all have we all have our relationships to it and what we've come up listening to and whatever like right Thank you. 
When you choose, you know, yeah. who you work with, usually for a reason, because they have a certain, you know, aesthetic or flair that you're trying to work with or, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys, like, very unbelievable bass player, great mm-hmm. improviser. Um, and, you know, I'd heard him play up here. Um, and then Nick as well, same thing. Amazing touch on the drums. Mm-hmm. Um but I hadn't ever heard him play music like mine before. Like all the times I'd heard Nick play, he was playing like just unbelievably sick, like, you know, backbeat pop, okay. rock, yeah. folk type music with <laughs> other people. But I just like, because of how great his touches and everything, I could just, I just knew that it would work. Sure. But but it took a minute and we're like, okay, this is how, you know, and then <laughs> making sure everybody gets comfortable and then, you know. Yeah. Um, had he played with, they, uh, had, had he played with Nick previously uh, before? No, I think, I think we, I just heard him play one time and I was like, let's, let's do something together. And that was just the way that it started. Fair enough. <laughs> I just heard him play. I think, I think I heard him play with Kaylee Conway. Um oh. <clears throat> really great singer songwriter who lives mm-hmm. up here but um yeah it was just like oh yeah it's gonna be great 
And then, <laughs> then you just figure it out. But like he brings something to the table, right? Like he, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's his love of Phil Collins or like whatever different <laughs> things that like he's really into come out in the way that he plays my music. And then, you know, whatever electronic music or whatever different things that Barry's working on, he's bringing things to the table. Sure. You know, using pedals with his electric, you know, and then DVD brings something too. you know, where it's like, oh, well, you know, he's bringing his energy and then you mesh it all together and it's like, well, what is this? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> what it turns out into it turns into. I Absolutely. Um, great. Um, so you have a show coming up. Can you remind me and the audience when that's happening? Yeah. So the show is at the California Clipper and it's on uh now because it changed dates it's now on wednesday the 26th of october it was supposed to be on thursday i believe but okay something got signals got crossed so we're playing on the 26th wednesday the 26th of the california clipper awesome uh great what um what can we look forward to at that show other than great jams um well i don't know (laughs) <laughs> Maybe may, I heard a really good joke. Uh, my four-year-old came home the other day, told me a really good joke that he heard at school. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll save it. I won't tell it now. I'll okay. save it and I'll tell the really good joke. That sounds, that sounds great. That's that honestly sounds awesome. <laughs> this is maybe the best kids joke I've heard in a long time. I was very, very, yeah, you're really building this up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, great. Um, is there anything else you want to plug or um, shout out to the folks before we, we sign off here? Um, nothing too too much in particular. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. It's, uh, it's always great. I hope you enjoyed that interview I had with Andrew. I know I did. Lovely chat about improvisation and music all around. If you are in Chicago on October 26th, please go check out their show at the California Clipper. It should be pretty rad. Um, We're going to send you out with one more tune um, called Realm Devil by Retro Reflector. As always, uh, this podcast, Relevant Tones, is a product of Access Contemporary Music. Please check out more at acmusic.org. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 